Well, inspired by all you early risers listening to this first thing in the morning, I recorded this episode as the sun rose on Monday morning this week and actually wasn't too bad. Matthew Grant here, and if you've just found us, well, welcome. And for our regular listeners, thank you for all the continued support. 7.45 a.m. last Sunday morning, I got my first text with feedback on the podcast for that day with a photograph. Makes it all worthwhile. Thank you. Now, MGAs, that's managing general agents, are a common way for the insurtech startups of the last five years to have built their business, and we are delighted to work with many of them. Pen Underwriting is an MGA, but it's a bit different and a lot more revenue than most, maybe all of the new breed of insurtech MGAs coming out. Innovation has been at the heart of what they're doing, but as Nick Wright explains, it's the people that count. So if you're building some technology and looking for a business partner, you're an insurer with capacity or indeed anyone outside of insurance has access to clients looking for an insurer or just simply curious about what's going on, you may want to take a closer look at what Penn is up to. Now, it's been another busy week for us at Instex London. We had over 300 people register for our live chat discussion this week, launching our report on crypto insurance, and the report is now available on the website. Robert and I hosted dinner on Wednesday evening, and we're getting ready for our next two face-to-face events here in London on the 9th of November, supported by ISI, and the 30th of November, supported by S&P. Details at www.instec.london. Anyway, enough about us. Here's Nick. Nick, welcome. You hold the record to the earliest podcast I've recorded. So I've had my coffee. I hope you've had yours this morning. Yes, I was fortunate enough to have had, I've had a cup of coffee and a cup of tea and a bit of toast. I'm feeling, I'm feeling up for this, for this podcast. I'm looking forward to it anyway, I think. Well, you're looking as sparky as you normally are when we talk. So thank you very much <laughs> for carving out this Monday morning. So you are Chief Business Development Officer at Penn. You're on the leadership team. Um, Penn itself is a really interesting organization, I think. You were brought together in 2015 owned by Gallagher. Uh, that was 12 companies getting together. You are an MGA, I think one of the largest in the UK with 600 million uh, pounds of premium. And I last looked, have I, have I got that right in the thing in there? We need to uh, add. Following um, uh, the recent acquisition of Manchester Underwriting, uh, I think it's actually probably near a 650, 660 million of GWP sterling. So yeah, we are 12 companies that came together, as you said, under the Gallagher umbrella to create Penn Underwriting. Uh, and it's been an interesting journey bring those businesses together and then looking for opportunities to grow. Now, MGAs are kind of one of the key areas that people talk about when they look at InsurTex, and we've seen some really high-valued companies start to come out. But just your kind of elevator description of what an MGA is for people that don't know, have you got a few words just to help explain that? So technically, it's a managing general agent, and and what do we do? Uh, We rent people's capacity and capital and we deploy it and distribute it to, to insurance brokers. And the advantage we have as an MGA is that, you know, we, are, we can be a little bit nimble. We can do things differently. We can probably innovate and create new products because we've got, you know, 30 or 40 insurer partners who have different appetite. So an MGA can actually be um, innovative in some of its products and, and can look for to do things differently. If you're one insurer, you've generally got one risk appetite. That's a great description, actually. And so 30 or 40 insurance partners, those are essentially providing the capacity across. I guess it's now 13 companies, is it, or 13 different, how do you describe them, brands within the Penn Group for the different organizations? So we've got you know three or four brands, uh, and then we have businesses within divisions. What we try and do is, I suppose, create a product and create solutions for almost every scenario, be that delegated when we delegate capacity to other people, 
be that transactional, traded electronically. So, so we try and do everything because as a bigger MJ as we are, you know, we do do pretty much what Nishiro does. We do claims, pricing, uh, we have actuaries, you know, we look at distribution, sales, marketing, we have our own propriety system. So we're like a mini insurance company and it enables us to solutionize stuff. It's a word I love solutionized. Um, we believe in one of our key mantras is there is a solution for every person's problem. Solution for every person's problem and solutionize. You heard it here first. Your role, Chief Business Development Officer, what, what does that mean you spend your day doing? In simple terms, it's either making the boat go faster or it's trying to build a bigger boat. So, so I sit on the board, I sit on the exec, and, and my role simply is just to grow the business. Um, we've spent a lot of time um, putting the foundations in places we talked about earlier, um, and now we're ready to, to kick on and, and pretty much try and double the size of the business over the next five years. That, that's quite a big task for us to do. And fortunately, I've got the role of, um, you know, perhaps buying some stuff, uh, investing in some uh, opportunities, be those, you know, buying brains, i.e. buying people and increasing our product offering or even looking at technology and, and how we use technology to help us grow in an ever increasing digital world. So essentially, that means you're, you're looking for people you might want to acquire, certainly work with as, as partners, other organizations out there. We're very interested in. In looking at acquisitions in MGAs who who can complement what we do today. We don't want to replicate what we've got. We think we've got some good offerings. Um, but I think, yeah, certainly looking for MGAs that we can acquire and, and want to join an organization such as Penn. And I think the one thing as we go into the digital space still comes down to people. It doesn't matter what technology you've got. You've got to have the right product at the right time, speaking to the right customer or delivering to the right customer. And, and for me, um, that comes down to people. All the how it's facilitated is probably maybe by bots or digitalization. It's a combination of people and technology, not just yeah. one or the other. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I mean, I've been looking uh, recently at artificial intelligence for remote claims processing, and what's pretty clear that no matter how good the technology, there's very few situations where you could rely or, or should rely on it totally without having somebody involved. So, yeah, I guess anybody who's listening, who's employed in an insurance organization, you can have a job for the foreseeable future, I think. I think the industry will change. We will change. I actually paid for something the other day and I'm somebody, one of my colleagues, um, uh, paid for something for me and I said, Oh, well, just, you know, let me know and I'll pay you details in. He actually sent me a text message that then linked from his bank. It then came out of my Apple Pay account on my mobile phone and it was done in two or three seconds. If you'd have said that 20 years ago, that that actually was going to be reality, I think most people would have laughed at you. To me, that's a customer journey and that customer journey exceeded my expectations. And if we can find a way either in pen or as an industry in exceeding people's expectations, hey, you know, we will be so successful because at the moment, I don't think we're doing that across the whole industry. Yeah. And I guess in your position, I mean, there is so much happening out there, so many opportunities. I mean, what of the all the interesting things going on, are you finding you know, both the most interesting, but also, of course, the most relevant for you just now by by theme or even by sort of insurance application? Two things then. So how customers are being treated and how people are receiving information, I think, is the, is the big one in terms of everything's being received on an app or via, you know, via the web. N- nobody really receives paper anymore. And that's, that's been a huge transformational change for the in- industry. And then the second one would be for me is around product innovation. I talk about Red Ocean creating a new marketplace. And if you look at parametrics and usage insurance, 
they are genuinely creating a new marketplace that, you know, again, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you would never have imagined people buying usage insurance for your motor car. So I think those would be the two things for me. On that telematics one, and there's a lot been happening in motor. It's been going about 10 years now, you know, probably more. But what are you seeing elsewhere? Because it, when we look at this, you know, motor is definitely advanced in telematics. It's also quite advanced in terms of automated claims assessment now. But it's often quite difficult to find the crossover to that and other lines of business. So, you know, Penn, you write quite a broad range of risk. We should probably talk about that. But but inspired by motor, but you know, what else do you see? What sort of next do you see is going to happen that's going to bring that kind of flexibility into the uh, into your clients that we're already seeing in motor? I think it could be used telematics in lots of different ways. You know, um, we have haulage and we have sort of um, cargo going around the world. It, you can now you know, chip those and you can see minute by minute where that cargo is, where it's deviating, deviating off course, when it's stopped, when the, when the actual unit's been opened. That's all traceable. You've got in the things like high vis jackets, something that we're looking at as a business is, you know, you can actually have a, a vis jacket built in with sensors to tell whether people are you know, are in the right place, first and foremost. So should you be standing at the back of a wagon when it's being unloaded? You know, should you be um, standing in, in a non-safe area? Because that can all be done with technology. So it can also be done where if you're not, uh, your posture's not correct when you're about to lift something, it can actually, you know, send you an alarm off saying, you know, don't do this. You know, to protect you, Mr. Employee, what we'd like to do is do you give you some training that says when you hear this beep, straighten your back and lift it from your legs rather than from your from using your back muscle. So I think there's so much more it can do. And what's the art of the possible? And we all have budgets, uh, Matthew. I think that's the key. It's just about getting that balance right. Nick, you just guaranteed yourself lots of connections on LinkedIn and uh, email. When you said that word, we have got budgets. So uh, so, so be warned. <laughs> but ultimately, who pays for that? Is that you're talking about budgets, but is, is that you as Penn going out to your client and saying you can help them with technology or do you have to get to the end client and get them to spend the money to basically provide the alerts back to you or at least have their own risk mitigation in place so something is a combination of all of us if we set out to say we want a safer working environment we want to have less accidents we're going to have less incidents it's what can we all do to do that whether that is think simple things like driver training and ensuring that our um, whoever's driving our trucks, our wagons, actually that they've had the appropriate driving or more training than somebody else. We can talk about lots of different technology, but, but right here, right now, there are a few simple things we can do. Even though you're an MGA, you're still a broker market to a large extent, aren't you? So how, how does that work on that driver training one, for example? Do you have to go out to your brokers and get them to sell a specific product that's got driver training embedded in it? Brokers can either do it themselves and, and therefore bring that in what would you call an improved risk or a better risk of therefore a better managed risk to us or we can help them with some solutions so i think at penn we we look to always try and um solutionize i repeat what i said earlier you know we believe there's a solution to, to pretty much most people's problems but but some of that can be unfortunately if we want to continue doing that risk that we need to take some further training to reduce those losses not only from a, a P&L perspective, i.e., you know, if you have more losses, it's going to cost you more money. But actually, you know, morally, people could get injured. If we can stop people getting injured and stop having accidents where, you know, we cause either injury to people or, you know, damage to the environment, I think that's a that's a good thing. Um, so so look, it's it's a combination of both. People can bring their own solutions, and I'm always open to people bringing solutions that make risks better. 
you know, go back to the LinkedIn and podcasts and all the other bits and pieces, you know, half part of this is understanding what's out there. How do you identify what's happening out there, what your competitors doing and, and where to look for for new ideas? We obviously get updates from people like yourself, which is which is very useful. We have a team of people who monitor what's going on in the market candidly. And then we, we look at innovation forums. So we have an innovation forum where any member of staff can bring forward their ideas and say, how could we do this better? I think we need to look outside of insurance and, and repeat what I said earlier about the banking example. What a fantastic example to say, actually, how do we replicate that in insurance? To my knowledge, right now, nobody does that in the whole market. If we just look at insurance, sometimes we can be a little bit comfortable in our own skin. It'd be quite good to look outside of that and actually say, what can we learn from industry-wise? Yeah, now it's so true that InsurTech five years ago was very much focused. You mentioned disruption before about companies, people starting up new businesses. But I'd say in the last two years, what's been really interesting is seeing organizations coming in from outside with good data. I mean, in your case, good clients, sort of a very natural fit, I think, because you you can get the distribution, you can get the clients, you can get the data and some really interesting ideas. And actually, it's quite refreshing to hear your banking analogy, you know, what's happening elsewhere and what we can learn from it, because I think sometimes the industry doesn't look, is a bit inward looking. But I uh, just want to come back to that innovation council, because quite interested, to, well, I'm very interested to hear how do you create a space for people and incentivize them to you know, look at the new when they've all got day jobs to do. And often these things don't really pay out until some point in the future. I mean, how do you give people that space and, and help them? be successful if it's a little bit more longer term part of future proofing your own career and future proofing us as a business is everybody having a bit of skin in the game one of our managers is to try and create solutions so we create that opportunity because of the culture that we have you know i go back to the brand values of solution you know of solving problems and actually we're going to get new problems um i think from an investment point of view we don't expect all the investments to come off on day one if we take on an individual who actually wants to create a new product in a new sector, we genuinely don't expect that to be, you know, on day one, they start on the 1st of January, on the 2nd of January, they're paying for themselves. That's just not reality. However, like every business, you want a return on your investment. And that return on investment will depend on, obviously, the size of the investment and actually the period that we think is reasonable. I'm a dedicated resource to try and grow the business, to innovate it. So people come to me with ideas. I have a couple of guys who work with me who, who actually look at some of those ideas and we, we will go and explore, do a business plan, do a business model for them. And if it works, we invest. And, and to date, the board, the wider group have supported some of those initiatives. The group have been around for, for 90 odd years. They've grown significantly. We will continue to be successful as long as we can continue to invest in people and technology. So have you actually made investments in companies and are there any you can talk about specific organizations people might know or maybe they they wouldn't know, but just again to bring those to life? We obviously bought Manchester Underwriting, which was a, a sizable MGA who we were very proud of. Great culture fit, great business. In terms of investments, we've mainly invested in people. Tom Dixon has come in to head up our tech PI offering. Zero revenue and zero product at the moment, and we're looking to innovate and grow that. Neil Bowdy's joined us to, to set up a DNO business. So we're investing in different ways, be that people, as I said, our own system, third parties or joint ventures. Well, Nick, you've done really well. I think we're 25 minutes in and you, that's the first acronyms you've used. So uh, tech PI, I'm guessing is what technology related professional indemnity. 
So, yes, yeah, so it's professionally indemnity-led, but with supporting covers, we see it as a growth area, basically. So people who will look to the future, they will require different covers than, than perhaps traditionally have been there. Uh, and we see that huge investment. The UK economy will invest more and more in tech PI firms, people who are looking at technology and actually how do we grow this business. They need different covers. And some of those businesses are quite small, but those businesses go from quite small to, to quite large. And, and we hope we can create a solution. Interesting. So that's part of your growth plan. So you, you find those companies, new technology, new risks. Someone needs to underwrite them. You provide the professional indemnity and then you know, every one of those is going to grow. But you you get a good portfolio and you just generate growth organically through the revenue coming in from those companies. And then uh, DNO, I mean, everybody or most people in insurance understand DNO directors and officers. Uh, that's essentially related back to the management of the company and anything they're doing that might end up with a a loss for litigation for the company that's, that's being covered as well. Um, one other acronym, Weistrad, you, which you threw at me earlier, which I, I wasn't familiar with. Uh, you've now you explained what it means, although I'm not quite sure what it actually means, even if I understand what the words are. So that was ICW or increased cost of working. I can kind of guess at that, but could you just explain what that covers? Most businesses have business interruption insurance, i.e. in the event of a physical loss, subject to lots of different things, but subject to a physical loss and your business is interrupted, we will help you during that period, which is which has been fantastic. And and the industry had a little bit of a hard time in respect to COVID and 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 how that was dealt with by the industry. Which you know um, there are two sides to every story. I think billions of pounds worth of claims have been paid. But a great example for me, increased cost of working could be is that just not a parametric insurance when we say we will pay you a set amount of money that enable you to move from one premises to another premises? Could we give you a different solution? rather than full business interruption insurance. And I suppose that, that's where I was trying to come from, is, is can we innovate as an industry by using some known stuff that we have already? And, and you know, we've been in ICOW for years. That, to me, is a set amount of money you could pay somebody um, and, and turn it into a parametric, a red ocean thinking, which looks completely different. And would people buy more of that if they understood it? And, and we, have a, we have a responsibility as an industry to make things easily understandable. Great. Thanks, Nick. Well, uh, I'm just going to throw one more question at you, unprepared. I'm calling it the cookbook challenge. So I read somewhere that actually most cookbooks or recipe books, people can get probably at most two recipes they actually use. I'm going to make it a bit easier for you. What's the one thing that you want people to take away from our discussion now that they can go away and say, hey, I just heard Matthew and Nick talking, and this is what I think is really interesting. What a great question. I was going to, I, I thought you were going to ask me about my cook because the only thing I can ever cook is lasagna that I was taught when I was at school, when I was 15. Different people are buying things differently. So buying habits are changing. How do we actually make buying habits and selling habits aligned? So therefore the customer journey is better. And if people can bring some innovation, some thoughts around that to me, oh, that'd be fantastic. And I'm going to take two. So I'm going to have a second one, which is how do we use technology to improve risk? That's great. I'm very glad you got the customer into that. And uh, and uh, yes, how do you use technology to reduce risk when I do see you face to face at some point? I'd love to. Uh, you didn't offer, but I'm going to imply <laughs> you offered. Try your lasagna because I'm a great fan of lasagna. I reckon, <laughs> I reckon if you can cook lasagna, you can cook all sorts of things because that is not easy to do. So uh, so watch out. We'll have a lasagna. Thank you very much for that. It's been really insightful. And yeah, I hope we do get a chance to see each other face to face and meet a few people once the world is starting to open up again. But uh, for now, uh, yeah, have a good week. And again, thanks very much for starting, starting early. 
No worries. I, I very much enjoyed it and listen and thank you. And, and believe me, it's not that good, my lasagna, but it's the only thing I can cook. So, so don't get too excited. And, and, and maybe I'll buy you a glass of wine beforehand. It'll make it, it'll make it taste better. And, and I hope that final thought is not the thing people are going to take away from the podcast. It's Nick Lasagna. So just remember customer journey and good use of technology. Thanks, Nick. Well, thanks to Nick and his colleagues at Penn for their support of Instec. We're working with over 140 insurers and technology companies as members now, about a third of which are outside of the UK. We're there for you every month, as well as regular features of what you're doing in our newsletter, reports and events, maybe even a podcast. If you want to know more about becoming a member, then please do contact me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn. If you want to know more or any of us, hello at instec.london. <laughs>